Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Surprise Stadium in Arizona. It's the Cleveland Guardians 1, the Texas Rangers 3 in spring training action. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. But not only that, we've got opening day rosters to talk about. We've got contract extensions to talk about. We've got so much to talk about to get ready for opening day, the start of the season. Let's get into it with the game yesterday we had. We finally got a game televised. I mean, after a week of just, you know, away team broadcasts that were blacked out and, uh, you know, listening on the radio, we finally got to see a game. And of course, no, was it the game where the uh, Guardians go off for tons of extra base hits and beat Arizona 5-1? to one? No, it wasn't that fun game. It was the one against the Texas Rangers where the offense doesn't really do much. Five hits uh, for the team yesterday. They do scratch across a run uh, with the bottom half of the order after Quan walks. Uh, Clement uh, with a big double. And then uh, I believe Hament. Who got the RBI on that one? Oh, that's right. There's no RBI because he scores on a wild pitch when uh, Jimenez walks. So uh, no RBI for the Guardians yesterday. Uh, but Quan does score the only run of the game. Quan also had a nice double into the corner. Um, great piece of hitting. I tweeted it out. So if you go check out uh, my Twitter, it's probably the last tweet I sent out. Um, somebody got the video posted. You want to see what bat-to-ball skills look like? Have you heard that expression, bat-to-ball skills? It means he's not Bradley Zimmer striking out like almost a record-setting time in spring training. It's making contact. It's putting the ball in play and letting good things happen. That's exactly what Quan does in the seventh inning in a 2-2 count. Puts the bat on the ball. Gets it into the left field corner for a double. Doesn't end up scoring in that inning, but bat to ball skills, that's what we're talking about. That's why all the podcasters, that's why all the writers have been excited about Stephen Quan all offseason. Because we're so sick of watching Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson and some Bobby Bradley. I still have high hope. You know, I still have some hope for Bobby Bradley. Some. Uh, but it's getting withered away. Strike out. We're sick of watching these guys strike out. Quan puts the ball in play. He hits. So, uh, yeah, it's a different approach from what we've been seeing lately out of the Guardians offensive, out of the Guardians youngsters. So, that transitions perfectly into Quan made the opening day roster. He's there. He's one of three rookies that are going to be on the opening day roster. A few other things from this game, and let's talk about the week games uh, we had leading up to this. Uh, Bieber uh, got the start, uh, did have six strikeouts in three and a third inning, but he does give four hits, three runs, including including a big two-run home run to the power hitter for uh, Texas, and now they've got a few of them in their lineup, but Garcia. Garcia, their center fielder, is a big power guy in that lineup, and he took a slider, a first-pitch slider, right down the pipe and put it out in the left field for a two-run home run, uh, which was the difference in the game. And uh, Bieber's been pitching pretty good this spring. Uh, The strikeouts are definitely there. Uh, Someone tweeted out, you know, how many strikeouts do you think Bieber's going to have on opening day? He had 10, then 12. Um... I answered before I thought about the fact that he's only going to go three, four innings, right? He's he's going to be set to like 60 pitches, maybe something like that. So he's probably not going to rack up the double-digit strikeouts just because 
they're not going to leave him in the game that long. Someone will be piggybacking off of Shane Bieber. Uh, or I don't know. Because they have the off day, maybe they'll throw all the bullpen arms out there. We'll get into the bullpen mix in a second. But uh, yeah, so Bieber probably is not going to rack up double-digit strikeouts on opening day just because he's not going to be allowed to go that long into the game. However, uh, does rack up, I mean, six strikeouts. Who knows? I mean, six strikeouts in three and a third innings. So in four innings, he's going to get close. Um, but yeah, he gives up the home run. And, you know, frankly, I might be a little bit worried about the home run ball off of Bieber. It seems to be a little bit of his Achilles heel. Um, you know, last season, I'm looking at his last season stat cast page. And the hard hit percentage, he was actually in the 14th percentile for hard hit percentage, which means he gave up a lot of hard hits. Now, he's in the 94th percentage for Ks, for strikeouts. So he's striking out at a ridiculous rate. But he will give up some hard hit balls. He was barreled. He was in the 29th percentage for barrel percentage, which means towards the bottom of the league, which means he got barreled up a little bit. Um and I was looking at what pitch. I was curious what pitch, because obviously he gives up the home run to the slider yesterday. I was curious what pitch does he give up the most home runs on. It's actually the fastball, the four-seam fastball. Uh, he gave up five home runs to that last season. Uh, in 2020, it was only three, obviously the shortened season. Um, he gave up three to the curveball last year, and then one each to the slider, change, and cutter. So, it is the four-seam fastball that they tend to hit the hardest. Now, he barely throws the changeup or the cutter. So they're kind of kind of outliers. I mean, he threw the fastball 551 times. He only threw the cutter 50 times. So a little bit of an outlier. But the slugging percentage against the fastball is way higher than the curve and the slider. The slugging percentage is 480 against that four-seam fastball where it was only 333 against the curve and 266 against the slider. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on all season. We all know Shane Bieber is the ace of this staff, but can he limit the damage against his fastball? Can he? I don't know if it's a locating the fastball situation um, or what it is. Actually, looking at the home runs he gave up last year to right-handed batters, they were pitches that were out, uh, out and up. Actually, surprisingly, it was some pitches out uh, towards the outside half of the plate, the outer third of the plate, including a curveball that Salvador Perez just reached out way out of the strike zone and hit for a home run. Um, so that's right-handed batters. For left-handed batters, it's actually down and in. Uh, there was one fastball out that Aaron Hicks took for a home run, and there was one changeup down that Runa Nodor took for a home run. But the other four home runs that he gave up to left-handed batters were all down and in, two fastballs and two curveballs Everything is in the strike zone except for that Salvador Perez uh, one that he went out and got. But that's what you got to look for, right? These are the zones you're going to look for. So against left-handed batters, challenging them down and in, does he give up a home run there? And against right-handed batters, up and away, does he give up home runs there? Because those were the zones. It's very clear to me on StatCast that those were the zones that he was giving up home runs last year. So... Something to keep an eye on. This one of Garcia was pretty much right down the pipe. I don't have the stat cast data on it, but it was pretty much right down the pipe. So something to keep an eye on for Shane Bieber this season, although the six strikeouts yesterday was very encouraging. So that was the game against the Rangers. They did have a good game against uh, Arizona the day before with a couple of big home runs. 
in this one. They put up five runs really quick, two in the first and three in the third uh, in this one. Ahmed Rosario had a home run. Fermil Reyes had a big home run in this one. Straw, Jose Ramirez, and Josh Naylor all have doubles. Jose Ramirez had two doubles in the game. Uh, so, yeah, so some big, big extra base hits from the Guardians. Um, they did get beat up a couple of times this week. They lost 1-12 to to the Dodgers. They lost 9-19 to to Kansas City. Uh, but they didn't pitch any of their main pitchers. None of their major league real I, I think Connor Pilkington got in this game, but not many of their main pitchers uh, went. Oh, no, he didn't. Pilkington didn't go in this one. Scott got the start in this one. It got hit hard. So, yeah, so no pitchers that they will see in the regular season did Kansas City get to see on this day. Coincidence? I don't think so. So, yeah, that was the the week for the Guardians. Uh, it was a little up and down. There were days when the offense looked great. There were days when the offense was really quiet. Uh, we did finally get to see Ahmed Rosario play in left field. However, he, I think in his last start, he was back to shortstop. Uh, in that game against Arizona yesterday, did he play short or did he play left field? He was back at shortstop. So we'll see him bounce back and forth, possibly. Uh, Ernie Clement, they've talked about maybe trying the outfield, too, just to make him a super utility guy. Uh, so, yeah, so there is going to be some flexibility there. And we finally saw it, though. That's the important part. Why? Why do they wait until the last week of spring training to give out Ahmed Rosario some reps in the outfield? Like, doesn't it make sense that the first weeks of spring training he should be out there when you're when nobody cares if you're making mistakes? Like, warm up to it a little bit? No, they wait till the last week. I, it doesn't make sense to me, but he finally got some reps out there. That's the important part because it gives us some flexibility. Uh, for Andres Jimenez to play his more natural position. A shortstop, it gives us flexibility for Chang and Owen Miller and Ernie Clement to kind of work through second base. And it gives us flexibility if uh, Gabriel Arias is finally ready to step up. And I mean, he is ready. If management is ready to let him step up and finally get into the mix in the major league infield. So uh, it Ahmed Rosario being able to play the outfield does give us some advantage there to be a little bit flexible with the infield roster. I'm sure it also makes him attractive as a trade candidate because you know that's always in the back of their mind, especially with how many infielders they have. I mean, frankly, Ahmed Rosario is a little expendable because we have been literally loading up on middle infielders for like the last three seasons. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, it'll be It's going to be really interesting to see who is going to start opening day. It's a right-handed pitcher, Zach Granke, going for Kansas City. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be hard not to have Ahmed Rosario out there opening day. Uh, but who's in the outfield? I mean, you know, let's get into it. Let's get into the opening day roster, and then we're going to get into contract conversation because I know you want to talk Emmanuel Clase. I know you want to talk Jose Ramirez. That's where we're going next. But let's talk about the opening day roster because it is set. Barring injury, here's what you got. At catcher, you've got Austin Hedges being backed up by rookie Brian Lavastida, making a big jump here. Uh, Lavastida is getting the call. Sandy Leone asked for his release. He's gone. While uh, Miley is on the injured list, it's going to be Lavastida. You would guess once Miley comes back sometime in mid to late April, Lavastida probably goes back down to AAA for more seasoning. But they're going to start the clock on him. They're going to burn that first option. And they're going to give him a major league chance here. 
on the infield, you've got Bobby Bradley at first base, Yu Chang at second, Ernie Clement as your super utility, Andres Jimenez bouncing between second and short, Owen Miller bouncing between first, second, and third, Jose Ramirez at third base, and then Ahmed Rosario as a swing man between the infield and the outfield, either a shortstop or left field. Across the outfield, you've got Stephen Kwan, Oscar Mercado, definitely Miles Straw in center field, and Bradley Zimmer makes the team. That's the one that everybody, I'm telling you, everybody in Cleveland is pretty much done. I think 99% of Cleveland fans are done with Bradley Zimmer. We've seen this guy here for a long time. We know he was a first-round pick a long time ago. But watching him strike out over and over and over this spring, it's it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And with Josh Naylor uh, starting the season on the IL, giving him a little more time to feel comfortable, I guess, although he seems ready to go. Like, look at that dude. That dude seems ready to go. He put up some extra base hits this week. Bradley Zimmer is going to be on the opening day roster, but Stephen Kwan makes it too. That's the good news. So, for opening day against a right-handed pitcher, you know Straw is going to be out there in center. Do they do Quan and left and Zimmer and right? They're the two lefties. You know Francona loves playing matchup games. So it'll be interesting. I mean, if it is Oscar Mercado and left and Zimmer and right, aren't you just going to be so frustrated? So frustrated with this predictable team? Give Stephen Kwan the chance, right? Put him out there on opening day. You got a right-handed pitcher. You got a left-handed hitter. Put him out there on opening day. Please, for us. You got Framil Reyes as your designated hitter. Who also wants to play a little bit of outfield? Will they let him? I, I don't know. I just, you know, on days maybe when you want to give Jose Ramirez a chance to DH, maybe you do put Framil Reyes out there in right field or left. He's, I, we've seen him play both. He he holds his own out there. He's not going to, you know, make a diving catch or, uh, you know, run one down in the gap. But he holds his own out there. The dude can catch a fly ball. The dude could throw. So, now you got starting pitchers here. We got Shane Bieber, Cal Quantrill, Aaron Savali, Zach Plesak, and Tristan McKenzie. I think all of us back in last November could have told you that that was going to be the starting five for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, McKenzie won't necessarily start right away because of off days. They only really need four starters. So McKenzie will do some piggybacking. Um, I think that's going to be on a set schedule. I don't think you're going to see McKenzie necessarily coming in if somebody's getting blown up in the first inning. There's other guys that that's going to fall to. McKenzie, it's going to be a scheduled thing. Like, Plesak, you get three innings. McKenzie, you get three innings. And then we're into the bullpen. So we'll see how that all plays out. I'm very excited about that. I think I think I read the order for the first four starts is actually going to go Bieber, Plesak, Quantrill, Savali. So interesting. Interesting choice there. I don't know exactly what goes into that. I think Savali has had a much better spring than Plesek has had. So I'm surprised that he's technically the fourth starter then. But yeah, Savali looked really, really good uh, the last time I saw him pitch. It looks like he's in a little better shape uh, than he was last season too. Uh, Looks like he slimmed down a little bit. Uh, So Savali looking good heading into the season. I uh, actually had some wicked strikeouts on curveballs, which I tweeted out. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, at Davey Barris, I tweeted out the highlights of that. 
going to try to keep doing that because sometimes I don't know what is going on with the Guardian social media people, but like there was there was like nothing, no highlights. Those games that weren't televised, there was no visual representation that those games even occurred on social media. That would never happen. The Cavs organization, the Cleveland Cavaliers organization, they have people tweeting out highlights from practice, let alone a game that wouldn't have highlights up. Like they get highlights up like crazy all over social media. With Guardians, it was like radio silence this whole spring. It felt like barely anyone was even covering this team. So, yeah, so I'm going to try to get as many highlights as I can up if if I'm not seeing it. I'll retweet them out if I see them up on social media, but if I don't, I'll try my best to get them up myself. All right, then in the bullpen, we've got Emmanuel Classe, Brian Shaw is back, Anthony Ghost, Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steffen, Sam Hedges, Eli Morgan, Logan Allen, and Connor Pilkington. And those last four names, those are your depth guys. Those are your length guys, especially at the start of the season here. So when Shane Bieber only goes 60 pitches on opening day, look for an Eli Morgan to come in. In fact, did Morgan pitch in relief of him yesterday? This will probably be pretty telling of what opening day is going to look like. Yeah, so Shaw came in to clean up the fourth inning. Uh, he did give up two hits, but got a strikeout. Um, and then Eli Morgan comes in and went three innings off of that, gave up one hit, four strikeouts to the Texas hitters. And then Sandlin finishes the uh, eighth inning. So that could be very much what you see on opening day. Wherever Shane Bieber gets to 60 pitches, wherever that's at, if it's in the middle of the third, middle of the fourth, someone like a Shaw or a Ghost, or a Sandlin, or a Stefan comes in and cleans up that inning, and then you get an Eli Morgan to pitch, you know, deep into that game. So, that is what the bullpen mix is looking like. And Connor Pilkington is the other rookie that makes the team. Pilkington, remember, came over in that trade with the Chicago White Sox for Cesar Hernandez. Wouldn't that be great? My brother was dead on this. Wouldn't that be great if Connor Pilkington who we basically got for nothing, right? Cesar Hernandez barely even sticks around with Chicago. Doesn't help him win a World Series. If Connor Pilkington turns into this ace pitcher, and now he's pitching against Chicago for the next five, six years, wouldn't that just be fantastic, right? Don't you love it when the Guardians pluck these guys? We did it with Mike Clevenger. We totally plucked Mike Clevenger from the uh, Los Angeles Angels. It turns out to be a top starter, and we got him for peanuts. Oh, we got him for that reliever that was really good for a, for a time here. He was a great setup man in Cleveland and then just fell off the face of the earth. And I'm totally blanking on this one. I'm not even going to pause the podcast to look this up. Shout it. Shout it at me right now. You know the name. Shout it at me right now. I can't pull it right now. But anyways, we got Clevenger for a reliever that was done, basically. And he turns into be one of the top starters in baseball, right? So it's could it be the same thing for Connor Pilkington? Wouldn't that be great? Remember, we we actually did okay at the trade deadline last season. I mean, we we traded Cesar Hernandez. We even got someone to take Jordan Luplo. We even traded Jordan Luplo to Tampa Bay and got a good double uh, A starter for him. My brother nailed it yesterday. He goes, "How sad is it that Jordan Luplo had more trade value than Baker Mayfield has right now?" I was like, damn, that is cold, but that is accurate. This front office does know how to really 
get get rid of somebody at the right time and pick up a good pitcher in the process. So we'll see what Pilkington turns into just so he can torture Chicago uh, for the next few seasons. You really hope it works out. So that is your bullpen mix, and that is your opening day roster. Now you're going to say, yeah, that's it's a lot of guys on that opening day roster, 28 guys. Eventually they will have to trim that down to 26. So it'll be interesting to see because they're also expecting Naylor back. They're expecting Luke Maley back, right? So Lavastita will go down in that spot. Um, they're expecting Karinchek back at some point. So probably Pilkington or... You know, if Logan Allen or Sam Henches are struggling, which they've been known to do, you know, any of those guys could go down to make room for Karinchek. But then on top of those three guys coming back from the injured list, you're also going to have to trim two more spots down once the rosters have to return back to 26. So could we finally see Bradley Zimmer get DFA'd, right, designated for assignment, cut from the team? Or are they going to go with Quan because he's the young guy and has options, Right. Who from that bullpen is going to get sent down? So there will be more roster decisions that have to take place throughout April, but that is who we're rolling into the season with opening day. All right, let's talk contracts. Now, there have been two names out there on social media that have been going crazy about getting extensions from the Cleveland Guardians. One of them is not Shane Bieber. It sounds like, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like it's going to be really hard to get Shane Bieber to sign a long-term extension. I mean, with the money that pitchers are getting right now, I, I don't know. That clearly is going to be a conversation for next offseason because it doesn't seem like that's a conversation right now. Now, with that being said, the two names were Emmanuel Clase and Jose Ramirez. They were able to get something done with Emmanuel Clase. He agrees to a five-year, $20 million extension with $10 million option years for 2027 and 2028. Both of those option years carry $2 million buyouts um, and a $2 million signing bonus. So uh, he gets a little bit of money up front. We get some extra years after those arbitration years are done. With incentives, those things can go up to $13 million a piece. Um, and like I said, they have $2 million buyouts. So, Manuel Classe is set up to be the Guardians closer for a long time now, until 2028. And frankly, it does feel like kind of a win-win-win deal. A win for Emmanuel Classe, a win for the Guardians, and a win for the fans. To know that this, this, this star pitcher is going to be around for a long time. Uh, it... it it basically buys up his arbitration years and it gives him some security. It gives him a $2 million signing bonus, which is nice. But I mean, he would have been making, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars this year. And now he knows he's got $20 million coming to him. So yeah, he's got some real financial security here and the guardians are set. The fans are happy. And frankly, once these things get up into the $10 million a year, $13 million a year level, that's actually a really fair contract for a relief pitcher. Uh, you know, uh, for the Kimbrels in the world, and the, I was trying to look at the Kelly Janslins of the world and Kimbrel and seeing what these guys uh, get. And it's a little bit hard because, of course, arbitration skews these things a little bit. Um, but $13 million a year for a relief pitcher actually seems like 
that's that's pretty fair money for a top of the line closer. Um, so yeah, so I think it's a good deal all the way around. And I mean, the only thing that worries you about Emmanuel Classe is don't forget he lost the entire 2020 season because he got popped for PEDs coming out of Texas, right? When we traded for him for Corey Kluber. Now, was that trade worth it? Absolutely. Will Kluber figure out, you know, will Kluber stay healthy this season and get back on track in Tampa Bay? Maybe, but he's definitely struggled with injuries the last, what, like four seasons? And you just got one of the best closers in baseball. We didn't just, but you got one of the best closers in baseball for Corey Kluber. Yes, he was suspended for an entire season for uh, PEDs, but... Honestly, I don't feel like we've ever actually heard the story of what was going on there. Was it a recovering from injury thing? Was it trying to throw harder thing? Like what? I don't think we've ever actually heard the story of what those PEDs were all about, but that seems to be in the past and now he is one of the one of the elite closers in the game. And he is locked up for a long time. So, I think that's good news all the way around. The other news the one you're not happy about, Jose Ramirez. Now, there has been a lot talked about on social media about Jose Ramirez. Some of it good, some of it bad, some of it uh, the Guardians actually offered something. Like It was like four years, 80-some million, right? And Jose Ramirez's side said, no. Was that what the his agent tweeted out, LOL? Was that what that tweet was about? Uh, very cryptic. Nobody knows. Uh, Tom Withers, the uh, AP writer that covers Cleveland sports, tweeted out frustrated the other day. I don't know what that was all about. So uh, are these just cryptic tweets about Jose Ramirez contract negotiations? It seems to be um, there's a couple of guys that are getting leaks uh, from these negotiations on social media, and they seem to be tweeting out all the information about possible offers. It sounds like they're not trying to buy out these the option year on Jose Ramirez next year. It sounds like the, the money would be for the following seasons. Personally, I think if you want to get a deal done, buying out that option year, which is at like $13 million, sends a really nice sign to the player that you're going to take care of them for the rest of their career. Clearly, Jose Ramirez's camp wants this to be the rest of his year type contract. It's pretty clear. And frankly, I say go for it. We don't talk about Jose Ramirez a ton on this show because frankly, he's always excellent, right? There isn't, you know, we're not solving a problem. We're not trying to figure out why a guy's struggling. Jose Ramirez is fantastic. I have his StatCats page pulled up here from last year, 2021. Everything's in the red. Every percentile ranking. Exit velocity, 86th percentile. Uh, expected weighted on base percentage, 89th percentile. Expected slugging, 85th percentile. Even the sprint speed is in the 77th percentile. We've seen him steal bases. We see him take the extra base on things that would normally be a single for anybody else, and he turns it into a double. Whiff percentage, 94th percentile. Does not whiff that much. This guy is elite as elite comes. He is 29 years old. And I have no problem, you know, we've got him locked up through his age 30 season. I have no problem going all the way out to age 37 or age 38. I was getting into it with someone on Twitter about this. Not getting into it. We were actually having a very nice conversation. It was a nice change of pace on social media. 
and we were having a good conversation about this. And I was trying to find examples of guys who have gone towards their age 40 season. Frankly, most of them are pitchers. Most of the hitters don't last that long. Most of them are pitchers. But the hitters I could find, right? Nelson Cruz, although he's been popped for PEDs. Miguel Cabrera, although he's slowed down. Um, so, yeah, it's slim pickings up there once you get close to 40. But Jose Ramirez is different than those guys. Those guys, well, Cruz was an outfielder at one time. Those are bigger, bulkier guys. I feel like Jose Ramirez is a little more athletic than those guys. I mean, he moves around uh, clearly more athletic than Miguel Cabrera. I think Jose Ramirez could be one of those guys that does it. I think he could be one of those guys that makes it to age 37, 38, and is still a really productive hitter. Even if eventually, you know, third base days pass him by and he becomes just a DH in the last few seasons, I think he could do it. I think his bat speed is that good. I think he's that dangerous at the plate that people will still be afraid to pitch to him, just like they're still afraid to pitch to Nelson Cruz. Um, his, his Some of his numbers have only gotten better. His barrel percentage was the highest it had ever been last season. Um, his exit velocity was the highest it had ever been last season. Uh, the sweet spot has stayed consistent. Sweet spot percentage has stayed consistent for his whole career. Uh, his expected slugging percentage was the highest it had ever been last season. Some of these numbers I've only gotten better. His hard hit percentage was the highest it had ever been last season. He's just been getting better and better and better. And will that plateau and will that start to come down a little bit once he gets the 35, 36, 37? Maybe. But even at that point, he'll still be a productive contributor to this offense. And even if it does regress a little bit in the last few seasons, wouldn't it feel good to just finally have a guy that's played his entire career as a Cleveland player we didn't get that from Albert Bell. We didn't get that from Jim Tomey. We didn't get that from Manny Ramirez. We tried to get it from Travis Hafner, and he fell off a cliff. We tried uh, Grady Sizemore. The injuries piled up. We didn't get that from Victor Martinez, right? He goes to Boston and then Detroit and has a really fantastic second half of his career. We didn't even get that from Victor Martinez. We didn't get that from Michael Brantley, who's been over in Houston in the playoffs every year. Can we finally get it from Jose Ramirez? Can we finally get a guy that's locked up for his entire career as a Cleveland Guardian, as a Cleveland player, someone when he finishes his career and he's the team leader in like every statistical category and one day there's a statue of him out there in center field when you come into the ballpark because he was a Cleveland Guardian for his whole career and threw the city of Cleveland on his back every summer and led this baseball team out onto the field. I mean, what else do you want in a franchise player? Fantastic personality. Exciting on the field. Statistically fantastic. An all-star, a perennial all-star. What else do you want in a franchise player? There's, there is no reason for once in your miserable ownership to finally lock up a player if it's not Jose Ramirez. I see why you didn't want to lock up Lindor. Lindor, even though he was named Mr. Smile, Lindor does not have the same attitude about baseball as Jose Ramirez does. Jose Ramirez, man, that guy just, he lights up the whole stadium when he's excited. 
I am telling you, I see why Lindor wasn't the guy to give the 10-year contract to, but I also see why Jose Ramirez is. So, will they get something done? I know you've heard lately that, I think last night it was being tweeted out that the Toronto Blue Jays, if they can't lock Jose Ramirez up, if they can't agree on a contract, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to come hard at Jose Ramirez. Now, didn't they just get Matt Chapman from Toronto and give him some money? Yes, but then they would play Jose Ramirez at second base. I think that is all just negotiating leverage being filtered out through social media. I think this is all negotiate. Everything you have heard so far has been negotiation tactics between the two camps. And they still have some time to get this thing done. I, I held off till Sunday because I first I wanted to see if the opening day roster would be set. And I wanted to see if they were going to get any of these contracts done. They got Class A done. They haven't got a Ramirez done yet. If they get Ramirez done... Will we come on and do an emergency podcast? Probably, because it'll be super exciting. But there is absolutely no reason for the Dolans not to get this done and finally put some money into this team. There is absolutely no reason. The biggest contract they've ever given out was uh, Edwin Encarnacion. Right, the three-year, sixty-million-dollar contract. That's the biggest they've ever gone out. They're gonna have to go over twenty million a year to get this done. I think in their latest offer, I don't know, it was around twenty million a year. They're gonna have to go up towards twenty-four, twenty-five million a year probably to get this done. Um, can they do interesting things? They can throw option years on the end. They can make, you know, age thirty-seven and age thirty-eight years. Huge option years with huge buyouts, with like a $5 million or $10 million buyout. But then at the same time, maybe balance that out by giving Jose Ramirez an opt-out after year three, right? If they're not investing in the team, if they're rebuilding by year three, he can get out of it. Something like that. So there are some creative things you could do on both ends to make both sides happy. Give the Guardians a chance to get out if Jose Ramirez does regress towards the end. And in turn, you give him an exit after year three, if he needs to. Although he seems like he wants, he's happy. He seems like he's happy. He, he loves hanging out with the guys here. Loves getting interviewed by Andre Knott. Uh, loves hitting home runs in Cleveland. I thought this was interesting on a StatCast page. Uh, they tell you what, how many home runs he would have if he played every game in the same ballpark, basically. And in Cleveland, he would have had 40 home runs. If he would have played the entire... He actually had 36 home runs last year, but that's with road games and home games. If every game was played in progressive field, he would have had 40. If every game was played in Toronto, he also would have had 40. So it's not like going to Toronto, you know, is a dream hitters park. In fact, the only hitters park that would have worked for him was Yankee Stadium. He would have had 46 home runs. He would have had 10 more home runs if he played every game in Yankee Stadium. Of course, with that ridiculously short porch in right field. Everybody would have that many more home runs if they played every game in Yankee Stadium. So, uh, I thought that was interesting there. So yeah, he really he really wants to play here. And I know you all feel it. You all feel the same way I do. Let's let's get this done. Let's sign Jose Ramirez. It'll be like the only piece of good news since they rebranded this team the Guardians. It's felt like it's all kind of been negative news. Yes, Tom Hanks is throwing out the opening day pitch. Yes, they have some new whatever generic rock and roll song. Um, that they're trying. It'll never top the song from the 90s, right? That was one of the all-time team anthem songs. 
But, you know, a rebrand, they got to try something with the word Guardians in it. So they tried something. I, maybe I'm just old. No, I don't, actually, I don't think that. I think all of us are pretty meh on the new song. Um, yeah. With all that struggle to get any... They can't sell out opening day. They can't. I'm not going, but I got a reason why I can't go that day. I, th- I think that's what they don't understand. Like, I'm a perfect example. I love baseball. Watch every game. I just can't go that often. I can't buy season tickets. I got responsibilities. I got a life. I can't get away and go to baseball games that often. Hey, it happens. It doesn't mean we don't love the team as fans. We still love this team. It's just hard to pick up and go to a game. There's a lot to it. It's expensive. Parking, food, tickets. It it adds up. Plus, it's a huge chunk of time. So, uh, yeah. With all that said, signing Jose Ramirez is the thing to do if you want to get any kind of goodwill back on your side before opening day rolls around. If this team wins, the fans will be there. The fans support this team. But getting Jose Ramirez signed is that piece of goodwill that we all need. We all need that right now. All right. That is all my thoughts on everything Guardians this week. There was some more MLB news that went down this week. Uh, there's some guys that got injured, frankly. Uh, DeGrom is shut down after all the talk about the Mets and everything they've done this offseason. My God, MLB Network cannot get enough of the Mets. DeGrom is shut down. Uh, stress reaction in his shoulder. I heard that even Scherzer uh, has a hamstring that's bugging him, and he might be questionable for opening day. Uh, Garrett Crochet, the young phenom for the Chicago White Sox, is going to do undergo Tommy John surgery. So there is another pitcher in Chicago that we're not going to have to deal with this season. Although Chicago has been loading up on outfielders, apparently. Uh, they made a trade with the Phillies to get a guy that platoons pretty well in the outfield, Adam Hasley. And then they just made a trade with uh, the Padres. Oh, no, the Dodgers. I'm sorry. With the Dodgers. They sent Kimbrell away finally, and they got A.J. Pollock to play. So they've been loading up on trying to find one more outfielder, something the Guardi- we all wanted the Guardians to do, but apparently the Chicago White Sox are doing it. Uh, the Angels made a tough decision and DFA'd Justin Upton, even though they owed him a ridiculous amount of money this season. Boy, would you imagine that? Making a decision because of baseball and not money. The Angels bite the bullet, and they designate him for assignment. Um, So, yeah, so there have been some things going on here uh, in MLB news. But the big news for the Guardians, the Class A deal is done. We are still waiting on Jose Ramirez. All right, that does it for me. That is all my thoughts on this Cleveland baseball morning. The next time we talk will probably be Friday morning. We got the home opener, uh, not the home opener, I'm sorry, the season opener on Thursday against Kansas City. So the next time we talk, if you're new to the show, if you just picked us up this offseason, the way it works, the reason it's called Cleveland Baseball Morning is I come to you the morning after every game. The morning after every game, you will get a new episode dropped. So the opener is on Thursday. That means Friday morning. Expect a new episode to be waiting for you. Occasionally, we record these. I have to record these things at night because of life schedule, because of work schedules. I still tend to drop them. In the morning, we switch up the music every now and then and do Cleveland baseball nightly when we have to. But for the most part, I just wake up, record, 
then head off to work. So that's going to be the schedule. So I think Friday morning will be the next time we talk. And after that happens, we will be into real baseball games. The games will count. The stats will start to count. We're going to have some fun. We are going to break down the games like you've never heard the games broken down before. We are going to talk real baseball. All right, and speaking of real baseball, for the real baseball fans out there, for the fans of the show, you're known as the morning people. And yes, it is a nickname I gave you. And you now have an official t-shirt at the t-shirt store for Cleveland Baseball Mornings. It's clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. And now we have an official I'm a morning person Cleveland Baseball Mornings t-shirt. It's got I'm a morning person on the front with a coffee mug with the Diamond C logo on it, and it's got the show logo on the back. It's a cool-looking shirt, and I got a couple of the shirts from the spread shop, and frankly, they're nice t-shirts. These are not cheap, bold Hanes t-shirts with something screen-printed on them. These are really quality t-shirts. So check it out if you want an I'm a morning person t-shirt. If you want to buy it, ironically, for your significant other who is not a morning person, feel free to do that, too. I'm sure this t-shirt will play pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, so I'm a morning I'm a morning person t-shirt available at clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com. It's also my pinned tweet on Twitter at Davey Barris if you want to find the link. The link is also in the show notes on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. Again, the final. Yesterday was the Guardians 1, the Rangers 3. We will be back after opening day to talk real baseball. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. We also we actually got an email from our friend Chris in New Jersey. Uh, his two questions, frankly, Chris, I think we answered your questions throughout this episode. Uh, he asked me what I think the opening day lineup is going to look like against Zach Granke. I think the lefties are going to be in there. I think uh, that's what he loves doing. So I I think Quan and Zimmer are going to be out there on opening day going against that right-handed pitcher. Uh, as far as the infield goes, you don't have many options. I mean, Ahmed Rosario is a righty. Andres Jimenez is a lefty. I think he will definitely be in the lineup for opening day. Chang's a righty. Owen Miller's a righty. I think Ernie Clement's a righty, too. So... Uh, as far as matchups go, I s- expect Bobby Bradley to be in there. I expect Andres Jimenez. That's my guess would be. Jimenez at second. Ahmed Rosario at short. And then the lefties in the outfield with Straw. And then he asked me about the 28-man roster decisions. I think those decisions have been made by Terry Francona. So thank you, Chris, for emailing in. Sorry we didn't get to get into your email in detail, but I think we answered it throughout the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast in Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.